Are you looking for a new job? Are you hiring but struggling to find diverse, talented candidates? Then we have something that can help, our job board. Head on over to revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to browse listings or to place your own. This week on the job board, Hart is looking for two roles, a digital copywriter and a digital designer. These roles can be based in Columbus, Ohio or Toledo, Ohio. More Advertising is looking for a senior graphic designer. It's a remote position, but it is based in Waterton, Massachusetts. Design B&B is seeking a program manager strategist in Chicago, Illinois. 1323 is seeking a designer for their Austin, Texas office. Remote applicants are welcome to apply. Front is looking for a lead product designer in San Francisco, California. Frog Design is looking for a senior interaction designer for their New York, Austin, or San Francisco offices. Matchstick is looking for a messaging director in Atlanta, Georgia. And finally, NWEA is looking for an experienced design lead in the Portland, Oregon area. For just $99, you can post your job listing with us, where it will be on our job board for 30 days, and we'll spread the word for you about your job to our diverse audience of listeners. We also offer annual job board subscriptions. Make sure to head over to revisionpath.com forward slash jobs for more info on these listings. Apply today and tell them you heard about the job through Revision Path. Get started with us and expand your job search today. Revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Revision Path. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Maurice Cherry. And before we get into this week's interview, let's take some time out and thank our accessibility sponsor for this episode, Brevity & Wit. Brevity & Wit is a strategy and design firm committed to designing a more inclusive and equitable world. They accomplish this through graphic design, presentations, and workshops around IDEA, Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Accessibility. If you're curious to learn how to combine a passion for IDEA with design, Check them out at brevityandwit.com. Brevity and Wit, creative excellence without the grind. All right, let's get to this week's interview. I'm talking with Azara Amoy, a fine artist in London, England. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Um, My name is Azara Amoy, and I am a multifaceted artist and designer, creative thinker, and a student of this crazy world we call life (laughs) (laughs) shall I say yeah I work as an artist and I'm also a part-time designer so I work with presentations for a creative agency called Empire so I do that three to four times a week and then the rest of the days it's all for art nice what is the feeling in London like right now quiet because we're back in lockdown so we've been in lockdown just before Christmas which was a bit mental because it was literally a last minute thing. They were like, yeah, you can spend Christmas with your family. And then literally three days before they're like, nope, everyone's on lockdown. 
like basically all the presents you bought send them back oh no (laughs) you ain't seen seen your family so I don't know how many people actually stuck to that but right now I feel like a lot of people are fed up because this is our third lockdown and it's just like in and out in and out but I've just been trying to keep myself busy personally and check up on friends family and try and find some normality in this how have you been doing just kind of overall this year so far so far this year it was quiet I literally took time out for myself I was like before everything gets a bit crazy or if it does get a bit crazy I just want time for myself because last the end of 2020 was a bit non-stop crazy for me work-wise so it's just been nice just to just chill like rethink write down some goals that I want to achieve personally and professionally and just take time, eat right, <laughs> detox from all the drink and um, food that I ate over Christmas period. And <laughs> just, yeah, just reboot. <laughs> Did you, I guess, you know, can you talk about like just some of those goals you might have for this year? So one of the goals was to sort out my studio. So I moved out of my last studio just before Christmas and I needed to find, it was a bit lastminute.com and... I've been trying to find places, but it's really hard because we are not down. So it's like through video calls and just trying to work out through pictures if it looks okay. Mm-hmm. But luckily, yesterday I got the keys to a new studio. So I'm really excited to get in there and just fix it up and make it my second home. Oh, nice. It's, so it's a bit hard sometimes working from home, separating yeah. from work and personal time. So, Well, congratulations on the new studio. Thank you. I'm really excited. <laughs> That's one thing that I've been thinking about over this this whole pandemic quarantine thing is like, I got to get my own space. Like, I like my apartment where I'm at. And I mean, I've worked out of my apartment for a long time. I mean, I've been doing the working remote thing since like 2009. So I'm not unfamiliar with it. But the difference is that I had the option to leave the house. I could go and work (laughs) from a coffee shop or work at a client location or travel or something like that. And granted, right now, I mean, our restrictions aren't like super strict at all. I mean, I'm in Georgia, which honestly has been open since last May. Like there's been we had three weeks of lockdown in April and then we've kind of been open to that effect. Our rates are super high because people have been traveling and just coming Mm -hmm. and going as you please. But as I've been working, you know, I was out of work and then got a new job. And I just been thinking, like, I really want, like, my own space. Granted, my apartment's nice, but I really want to have that separate workspace yeah. that's just for creativity, you know? Yeah, definitely. It does make a difference. Like, I miss having my studio space. I was like, uh, I just need to get something. But yeah. luckily, I found a place that's really nice. It has, like, a balcony and all sorts. So I'm just, like, really happy. Oh, nice. So what do your days look like now with lockdown and the new studio space and everything? So like, I usually have a routine. I get up early, do a little meditation, work out. So I'm like addicted to spin at the moment. <laughs> mm. And I log in to work at 9.30. So I work three to four days a week, depending on how busy they are. And yeah, I log in and I usually have like s- schedules set out for me already. So I just crack on with the work. And my team is really small. They're really lovely. We all have like game nights and stuff and just try and make it as normal as possible. 
and yeah I do that till 6 30 and then I usually eat and then spend time on like personal projects whether if that's just me just trying to do a sketch or a digital collage those are like sort of my go-to things that I do and mm-hmm. I do them without even noticing that I'm do them do them if that makes sense some people like chill and like watch Netflix and stuff but for me like doing a little sketch a little doodle some on something is like my chill time <laughs> mm-hmm. and not everything that I create I show so basically I always say like my art is like my diary it's like what I feel in the day or if something's on my mind because I'm not really a, I feel like I'm not a great communicator with words but I communicate well when I like draw. So that's like my output. <laughs> I gotcha. What are some of the projects that you're working on right now? Art wise or work wise um, as a designer? We'll say art wise. We'll say art wise. So art wise, I'm working with a publishing company. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention them yet, but looking to do some illustrations for a children's book. So I just recently done a mock-up of stuff. So I'm just waiting on feedback if they like in the direction that it's going. I'm trying to do some personal paintings because I, fingers crossed with COVID, I will be able to have a solo exhibition, which has been on my list for forever. And last year was meant to be the year, but obviously with what happened, it was like a no-go. So I'm hoping come October that will happen. So I'm just slowly putting those stuff into motion. And I'm going to be on a panel for a studio space that's in Brixton, London. And I'll be on the panel for their residency. So I'll be helping select who gets a year's residency with them. So I've been working with that team, just discussing a few things. So that's what I've been doing art-wise. Oh, you got your hands full with a lot. <laughs> yeah, I try to keep as busy as possible. Do you usually have sort of a limit of the number of like projects that you try to take on? I listen to what my body tells me, if that makes sense. So if mm-hmm. I feel like I'm really run down, then I have no problem just saying no to whatever project comes. It's like, no, Zara, you need some you time <laughs> just to just relax. So I just go off on how I feel. And that's how I take on the work. <laughs> yeah. So these are, I mean, just the projects you mentioned between a book cover, personal paintings, you know, doing this panel. Talk to me about how you approach a new project. Like it can be any type of project. Like what's sort of your thought process when it comes to that? I guess with a lot of projects that do come my way, they are, they come, they usually come to me because they know my style, my style of artwork. So for example, I, I feature a lot of black, all my all the women I feature in my artwork are black women. My myself, I'm a black woman. So, yeah, I think it just comes from, like, I've been lucky enough to be able to navigate where the direction of the artwork goes because they know my style. So they know that's the sort of direction and what I'm trying to portray and uplift black women in the artwork that I do. So that sort of is usually the base. <laughs> and then from there, I just then add on what the client wants if that makes sense mm-hmm. and yeah and then from there I usually do like a mock-up and then they give feedback so that's how I've always really done it so and usually I research into certain stuff so like some like right now I'm really interested in um the black madonna which is oh. like religious 
like the Black Virgin Mary. Yeah. They call it Black. And I've been looking into the history of that, which is really interesting because like these like countries that are really popular with the Black Madonna are not exactly the most black friendly places. So it's really interesting how they worship this idol of this Black Virgin Mary. But in day to day sort of um, experiences, they're not like that with people of colour in real life. It's just mm-hmm. like a weird like she's allowed to be worshipped but if you put a black woman in front of them they'll do anything to put them down if that makes sense yeah (laughs) i just go off of what surrounds me what comes to mind stuff that i see on the internet things that i see in movies magazines blogs that just triggers something and i'll i'll just start researching (laughs) we've actually got a, a church here in my neighborhood here in atlanta called uh, Shrine of the Black Madonna. It's a church. It's a cultural center. They do events and stuff there. So I'm familiar with the with the concept that you're talking about. Do you usually try to have some like religious iconography in your work? Or is this just a particular or is a particular figure I guess you're kind of obsessed with right now? Yeah, it's just a particular figure that I'm obsessed with right now. So yeah, not all work features religious. I don't think I have any religious features in no, in my work. So this is just something new that I've come across that I find like really interesting. <laughs> so gotcha. we see where it would take me. <laughs> yeah. Is there anyone out there that you would love to collaborate with? Ooh, I guess right now it will be interesting to, I don't have no one in mind, but the lot of people that I have collaborated with have been London based. So it would be nice to collaborate with people from, different countries to gain their experience to understand their experience and how it's similar and how we can collab if that makes sense yeah but i can't think of no one from the top of my head right now i mean from looking at your style your style actually reminds me a lot of another mixed media artist that i had on the show god when was that that might have been about two or three years ago this guy in he's in new york his name is kendrick day d-a-y-e He does kind of this similar, like, collage, mixed media kind of work. So your art reminds me a lot of what he's doing. Like, you get, you all have very sort of similar styles in terms of, I think, the color and the elements. I think your work, at least from, like, the work that I've seen, there's a lot of play on symmetry. Like, yes. <laughs> you know, with portraiture and things, you try to have a lot of symmetry, which I think is really nice. Yeah, I like the whole kaleidoscope kind of effect in my artwork. So there's always some sort of symmetry as much as possible. What would you say is the hardest part about what you do? Knowing when to stop. (laughs) (laughs) As as an artist, you always like sometimes try to over perfect. And I was speaking to my cousin the other day and there's like this painting that I've literally been working on for about two and a half years. Mm. and I just don't know when to stop it's like I'm like no it's not right it's not right and he's just like it's never gonna rewrite just show the world the art it's amazing I'm just like no it's not ready I'm just like just know when to say okay that's enough it's (laughs) never gonna be right (laughs) sort of thing and like you can always add the beautiful thing about art you know you can always add to it just because you stopped and you show the world doesn't mean that that's the end of it you can add on to it you could take away you can make it into something completely different. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So kind of, you know, switching gears here a little bit. Were you born and raised in London? 
Yes, I was. <laughs> oh, tell me about that. Like, did you kind of get exposed to a lot of art and design growing up? Um, most definitely. Like, my parents are both creatives in their own way. So my dad paints and boy enjoys painting. He's a painter and decorator by trade. And my mum was just dabbled in everything, I guess. I guess that's where I got a get a lot of my like creative talent from so she was a hairdresser she was like that crazy mom who had like the bright hair then green hair and then <laughs> orange mm-hmm. hair like every time she turned up to pick me up from school her hair was always like different colors so she was like the crazy cool art mom and she done fashion yeah just around the house little DIY projects whenever she was sewing she always used to set me little tasks to do so I'll make like a pencil case from scratch make little bags for myself just stuff like that so and I think she got that from my grandma's because my grandma's like you must know how to sew (laughs) it's like a key thing because if you don't have no money or you don't have nothing at least you can make sew the clothes on your back you can make curtains you can make a chair you can do whatever as long as you can sew. So that's one of the skills that was drummed into me from a very young age. So it sounds like being exposed to all this so young, did you have a feeling that this was what you wanted to do? Or was this just a part of your world? It was just a part of my world, to be honest. I didn't even think of it as as a career choice or anything like that. It was just a way of life. And it only hit me that actually this is what I really want to do like as my career choice was not until I moved to Bangkok and I went there to work in doing something completely random I was working as a governoress which is like a nanny almost for a family out there and I was just getting really down I was like no this is not being homesick this is something else and it just wasn't clicking to me and then one day I was just sitting on the sofa and I was like I know I know why I'm so down. I know why I'm d- feeling a little depressed. I was like, I haven't picked up a pen. I haven't drawn nothing. I haven't made nothing. That's what it is. So as soon as that popped into my head, I jumped in like their bike taxis and went to the nearest shopping center and bought up a whole load of art supplies. And it just, that feeling of just being creative again, I was just like, yep, yeah, I'm coming back home and this is what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Were you like studying abroad? Like, how did you end up in Bangkok being a governess? Um, <laughs> such a, that seems like such a random kind of departure from what you were doing. So my friend was actually working as a governoress out there. And she's like, oh, there's this family that's looking for a governoress. Like, I'm going to put you forward. Do you mind? And I was like, I have no experience in this. She's like, it doesn't matter. Like, they'll interview <laughs> and if they like you, then come over. And I was like, well... This is a bit out of my comfort zone. I was tempted to say no, but I felt like it was one of those things that in a few years' time, I'll like kick myself, like, why didn't you just take the opportunity? So mm-hmm. I went with it, and I had about three interviews with this family, and they're like, yep, yeah, just we'll pay for your ticket, apartments paid for, just come over. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I stayed there for a year, and yeah, it got to the point where I was just like, this is not where I'm meant to be. But I absolutely love Bangkok. There's a place in my heart for Bangkok. <laughs> you are the second person that I've interviewed recently that has had some like tie or connection to Bangkok. That is so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just interviewed an, an artist in, in Washington, D.C. here named Reggie Black, and he spent four years in Bangkok. 
as oh, a wow. designer and like doing talks and stuff like that. I mean, you let me know because you were there. I mean, did, was Bangkok like a really creative city? Yeah, there's loads of stuff to do. It's like the city that kind of it doesn't sleep, <laughs> which is not like London. Like London, people always think that London's like busy and stuff, but like come a certain time, like things just shut down. But Bangkok's just they have like a night market. There's just lights. There's culture. There's just artwork everywhere, music. It's just a really nice atmosphere. So, yeah, definitely I would love to go back to Bangkok under, like, creative, for creative reasons anyway. Yeah. Now, you went to the University of the Arts in London. Can you tell me what your time was like there? Oh, I was there for a while because the University of the Arts, they have different campuses. Okay, so, well, different colleges under the University of the Arts. So the first one I went to was the art college in Camberwell, Camberwell Art College it's called, and i done a foundation art, art course there. So that course is just to help you build your portfolio and understand which direction you want to go in creatively. So you do a bit of fashion, a bit of graphic design, a bit of sculpture, painting, etc. And then from there you branch off into which field you're more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So that was my first college and I actually went into graphic design and now looking back at it I was like why did I do that because I was really interested in sculpture but I thought eh, how can I make money as a sculptor I'm just thinking like I think people in your ear like how can you make money from being a sculptor graphic design makes more sense so I went down that route and then I ended up in London College of Communication which is where they do mostly sort of graphics digital courses there and I actually done a foundation degree which then turns into a full degree if you do the final year so I only done two years of that so I have a foundation degree in graphic communication and I was like I actually absolutely hate this (laughs) so I was like but I want a full degree so I managed to sort of blag my way onto another degree course which was something completely different magazine publishing Mm, okay so I spoke to the head of the course I was like yeah I'm really interested in like doing this course I have like experience which was not true (laughs) (laughs) I was like yeah she's like okay she looked at my grade she's like okay you can join the course but you have to over the summer you have to do some coursework to make up and I was like yep that's fine and she's like okay and I made it happen thank god and from there graduated in magazine publishing which is like it's a weird course because it's a bit of design a bit of like PR marketing all the stuff that you need to know basically of how to run a magazine so by the time I graduated it was like that weird shift between print into digital Mm -hmm. so I was like this course was mostly about print and now I'm graduating and everyone's transitioning to digital I was like what is going on Mm. I was like all the places where I done work placements at, they're like print. All the prints of their magazines were being shut down. The department, the print department of their team. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, everyone's just shutting down. Like I don't know nothing about digital. So I think that kind of scared me, and I just sort of was stuck for a while, thinking, what am I going to do next? I do. I don't know nothing about digital. Do I should I take a course or something? And I think I just was stuck in a rut for a long time and I just continued at my job that I was doing during uni, which was working in retail. Mm. <laughs> and then 
that's when after that that's when i went to bangkok and that just opened my eyes okay well i mean it sounds like that that trip to bangkok was what you needed you know if you were at this point where you had went through all this school and you were feeling stuck i mean a change of scenery will do it yeah because over here i feel like they sort of sell you a dream they're like yeah once you leave uni you'll be able to get a job and that's what what i thought of like yeah as soon as i graduate i'll be able to get a job easy no (laughs) at all everyone i speak to they're like yeah we were sold the same dream and then it hits you life hits you (laughs) yeah i know that feeling all too well i graduated well i didn't go to design school but i graduated with a, a degree in math and I really had no career prospects lined up after school. Like I was still working like you. I was working the job that I was working while I was at school, which was just selling tickets at the symphony, just like selling to like old white patrons that wanted to hear (laughs) Chopin or whatever, you know, telling them where to sit and stuff. And it wasn't until a few years after that, that I sort of ended up falling into design. But yeah, I mean, sometimes that's how it is. You know, schools, and that's not really, I guess, the fault of, I don't want to say it's the fault of the schools. It's really the fault of, of the market. I mean, yeah. just because you come out with a degree doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready to go right into working somewhere because mm. maybe you need a portfolio or maybe the school that you have has a different reputation that this company doesn't like go for. So I don't know. It can be tricky. I mean, it's, I know it's tricky here in the States. I can imagine it's the same way overseas as well. Yeah, definitely. It's not easy. And as you said, it's true. You can't blame the institutions for the lack of opportunities once you leave. But I think with the course, I was saying the foundation degree course, that was meant to be heavily work experience based. And when we when we joined, everyone was like, where's this work experience? Because we were meant to have <laughs> industry teachers come in every week oh. to teach us from different companies and stuff. And we literally had one for the whole year. <laughs> we're like, this is not what we signed up for. <laughs> and we were all meant to be allocated sort of a mentor from the industry, which they were going to provide. So there was meant to be a mentorship scheme and stuff. But yeah, it didn't work out that way. Wow. But here I am. I found my feet. <laughs> Yeah. So you went to Bangkok, you worked there as a governoress, you didn't like it, that sort of sparked you wanting to become a designer and you came, did you come right back to London after that? Yep, straight back to London. (laughs) So what was your plan once you got back? I saved some money whilst doing this job because I didn't have to pay rent or anything like that. So I had saved and I was like, okay, I'm going to give myself a year to really try and get this running. And if there's like no progress, then I'm going to have to really rethink this. So when I came back, I was just applying for sort of any artist call outs or and stuff like that. And, and I was just, I just began painting. And luckily I had a friend who used to do an evening called Arts Meets Music. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, like, why don't you display some of your artwork at one of these events? And I was like, amazing, jumped on it. And then from there, that's how I met people. And I, someone told me about, oh, why, like, some of my artwork remind them of murals. Like, oh, because I work such, my paintings are such large scale paintings. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why don't you do murals? So I was like, oh, I never thought of that. I just thought, you know, street artists, murals, spray paint. I've never touched a spray can in my life. How can I do this? So I just thought, oh, let me just apply for a call out that I saw, which was local to me. 
And I actually had a dream that taught people think I'm crazy when I say this. I actually had a dream about it. And I was like, I woke up from this dream and I was like, yes, let me do the application now. And I actually won. And I was like, oh, this was a sign. So I done it. I was like, okay, I'm going to literally wing this because I've never spray painted in my life. <laughs> and the mirror actually came out really nice. And it's still there in Brixton till this day. And from there, I just people just started contacting me oh yeah do you want to do a mural here do you want to do a mural there and I was like wow I was really not expecting this and I found a new passion for something else as well that's how I got into the murals <laughs> and, and speaking of which that's the mural that's people can see that in the cover art for this episode the one that you're standing next to yeah that's quite a mural so you worked on all of that by yourself or did you have uh did you work with another artist or anything yeah, so this, the mural you're talking about, I worked with another artist called, Le, Le, sorry, Lynette Kamala. And I've worked with her on two of our projects as well. So the person who created the project, um, Belane Tajuddin, she knew both of us. So she knew that we worked together and she wanted two artists who had a good relationship, who can work well together. And she's more of a calligraphy artist and I'm more of a sort of painter, visual graphics so both of our styles just seem to work together. So she commissioned both of us to do the project. And yeah, and it worked out amazing. I'm like really happy with the outcome. Yeah, it's a beautiful mural. It's a beautiful Thank mural. You. And I'll, I'll make sure that I uh, will link so people can see the full thing. Because, I, you know, but the cover art is just sort of cut off in that square. As I was looking through your website and looking at your projects, one one project I saw that I really liked was the work that you did with MTV how'd you end up working with them so they contacted me last year about the award and they're like it's a really short turnaround but we really love your style and we really think that it will suit my my art style will suit the award winners so all the award winners for the it was let me get the name of the word generation change award all the winners are black female women or women of colour, sorry. And I was like, well, I paint women of colour and I paint women. <laughs> so I was like, yes, like all these women that who have won. So it's Raquel and Willis, Kiki Mordi, Louisa Brazil, Kathia, she's going to kill me for pronouncing her name, Pajadora and Temi Mowale. Sorry, mm-hmm. my pronunciation of their names are terrible. And yeah, these women are amazing. Like they're doing so much for our generation, for the future generation, fighting. They're all amazing activists within their field. I was just so excited just to be asked just to create something personal for them. So all of their war, each of their wars is hand painted and customized to them. So it was a very special project. I was very happy to be selected and honored. <laughs> so these days when it comes to, I mean, like big high profile projects like that, mm-hmm. are the projects coming to you or are you seeking them out? Luckily, they seem to be coming to me. Like I'd have no idea where MTV saw my stuff from because when they contacted me, they showed me some of the artwork that they liked. And I was like, this is so random. It's literally just random artwork that I just posted on Instagram, not thinking anything of it. Just like, ah, oh, this is what I've been doing during lockdown. Here's a painting sort of thing. Just didn't think about it. And those are the ones that they selected. So it was interesting because I would have thought it would be something that like another big project that I've done before or something like that. But 
no, they contacted me. I was very lucky. Who are some of your influences? You know, like I mentioned, you know, that the work that you're doing, this sort of collage work is very, very vibrant and certainly very unique. Who influences you or, or what influences you, I should say? As I said before, like a lot of the collages and paintings that I do are stuff that I do daily. So they just represent my mood. It could be influenced by like a song that I've just had on repeat all day that makes me feel good. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a collage on that. I know it sounds typical, but like literally the women that I have around me are amazing form, like my sister, my mom, a lot of the other artists that I work with are mostly females. So yeah, they push me and like inspire me constantly. At this stage in your career, I mean, you are doing these large scale projects and things of that nature. What does black art mean to you? Black art for me is a place to be free. It's a way for me to share my experiences and also hopefully uplift other black women. I think that's important because representation, especially in the art world, I don't know about in the States, but over here, the art world is very white male based. Like these institutions are very like white man painter sculpture sort of thing and that's Mm -hmm. even projected in the education within like the art education when I was at uni and school so for me it's about representation authenticity and just uplifting that's what art means to me it's just being free what is sort of the the London design scene like for you right now I mean being on lockdown are there ways that you're able to connect with creatives yeah so I have I'm part of whatsapp groups i sign up to online courses so one of the courses that i use is um black blossoms so it's an online art school and you sign up and there's those are different art courses so every week there's a different course and i've been literally killing those i'm like right now the course that i'm on is the art revolution in china which is really interesting just opening up my eyes to like different genres of art that I just wasn't exposed to and having these other women in these like WhatsApp art groups and all of us just sharing opportunities like oh someone's contacted me to do this but I just don't have time any of you sort of have any idea of someone or if you want to do it and just we're just sharing contacts sharing opportunities because everyone's just trying to eat some people have been made redundant from like jobs and stuff so I think I feel like there's a real sense of like everyone coming together and just trying to help each other out. Yeah, that's a good thing that, you know, you're able to kind of use technology as a way to reach out to people and to, you know, sort of have that fellowship and that also the ability to kind of work together. I don't know if you collaborated with anyone solely on a virtual level with any work. I worked with a team who I've done murals with in the past and I was actually scheduled to do a mural with them summertime last year but it didn't work out so in the end it ended up being a digital project so from there it's just it was all online based having to work from that sort of platform I wasn't able to research how I usually research sometimes so especially if I'm doing artwork in a certain location or reference if it's reference a certain location I usually go out with my camera I take photos I just spend the day there really just taking the atmosphere but being obviously locked in the house, 
I've just had to find other ways. So like YouTube and um, watching old documentaries on the area, just trying to gain as much information, trying to put out, contact people via Instagram, which is a bit wild, but just people who you see are from the area and you can try and like, hey, this is a bit weird, but I just want to like get understanding what this location means to you or get as much interviews and stuff like that, which I've never really worked that way. So definitely even after we come out of lockdown, I just, I think I'll be using those forms it's definitely to my practice. Yeah, sounds like uh, you picked up a new skill over yeah. the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Which is cool because I'm literally like, I'm a person who keeps themselves to themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone, having to like talk to people and even doing interviews. Like I don't like my first Instagram live at the end of last year. And I was like, I've never done this before. I was so nervous. And just doing radio shows as well, I've been doing. So it's been practice. I'm not great at interviews, but I'm getting there. <laughs> practice makes perfect, let me tell you. Just the more <laughs> that you're able to do it, the the more comfortable you will become. That's really the the best way to do it. You get more comfortable, you end up kind of being able to pull on, particularly if it's like, if you're talking about different projects that you've done, you're able to kind of pull those narratives out really easily. So, I mean, I would, if I could give any advice, I would say take all the, the opportunities that, that come to you because each of them is just a, a, it's a, just a way for you to get better at it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And it's just fighting the inner, the inner demons as well. Cause it's so easy to sort of self sabotage out of fear, but like, oh, I don't want to do this it's like out of my comfort zone but you just like I just push myself all the time and just feel like come on Azara come on like do my little speech (laughs) to try and motivate myself and be like you're gonna look back at this and think oh what was I panicking about it's so simple (laughs) because I mean the the flip side to it especially I think with doing you know podcast interviews is that the, the audience is vast and varied and diverse like there may be someone that's out there listening that is like you and it's like oh well if she's doing it then i can do it yeah and i hope there is someone out there you can do it (laughs) (laughs) how do you define success right now success for me is doing what i love yeah doing what i love and getting paid for it which is the dream so i always selective as well on what i work on if it doesn't feel right if it doesn't sit right with my core or if it doesn't feel authentic to me and feels forced Mm -hmm. then I try to avoid it in a sense but not restrict myself at the same time so for me it's just what brings me joy at the moment because especially in times like this you have to be selective with your energy Mm. even though you're not being around a lot of people is draining so yeah just trying to find happiness in everything (laughs) Where do you think your life would have gone if you weren't a working artist? Like, what else do you think you would have been doing? I can't even imagine that life. (laughs) (laughs) Something creative, definitely, but maybe in a different field for ages, I wanted to be an architect, so Mm. which is completely random. And I was actually so close. I applied for it at uni and everything, and I just last minute changed my mind and done the art foundation course because I was like, I haven't explored all that's out there creatively. So for me to just rush into being an architect is doesn't feel right at the moment. But yeah, probably an architect or maybe something with children. 
I love kids. So mm. a teacher, there's one. <laughs> I've already been a teacher. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in the next like five years? Like what sort of work do you want to be doing? So I would love to be working full-time as an artist and hopefully have my own creative agency and be doing what I do full-time. Even though as much as I love being a presentation designer, I would like to have more time to do projects that I really love, whereas working as a presentation designer, you're restricted by what the client wants, grand brand guidelines and stuff like that. It's very sort of corporate, I would say corporate design. Whereas as a creative, if I had to, my own agency, I'd be able to be selective and really push the boundaries and collab more with other people, mm-hmm. which is definitely on my list of things to do. Just get myself out there and just work with, learn and work with other people. That's a big thing for me, learning new skills as well. And just bringing that all together. <laughs> yeah. Well, just to kind of, you know, wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work and everything online? So you can check out my website, which is azaraamoy.com. And I'm also on Instagram at Azara Amoy and also on Twitter, which I don't tweet that much, but just in case it's this is Azara. That's my Twitter account. Sounds good. Well, Azara Amoy, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you really for, you know, kind of sharing your creative journey and showing how you can really sort of find creativity in sort of the most seemingly unlikely of places. I mean, you were a governoress, like you said, in Bangkok, and you decided, oh, this is what I want to do. But no, I mean, the art that you're creating is so vibrant and beautiful. And I'm just really excited to kind of see where you go from here. I mean, hopefully one day we will be hearing about that exhibition that you're you're planning. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Big thanks to Azara Amoy, and of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Azara and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. And of course, thanks to our wonderful sponsor, Brevity & Wit. Brevity & Wit is a strategy and design firm committed to designing a more inclusive and equitable world. They accomplish this through graphic design, presentations, and workshops around IDEA, Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Accessibility. If you're curious to learn how to combine a passion for IDEA with design, check them out at brevityandwit.com. Brevity and Wit. Creative excellence without the grind. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Maurice Cherry, with engineering and editing by RJ Basilio. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. What did you think of the interview? What do you think about the podcast overall? Don't be a stranger. Please hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. Just search for Revision Path or leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Let the world know about the show because it really helps us grow and it helps us reach more people all over the world. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.